Oh, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Our guest today is a friend from Facebook. She has so many important messages that I'm so grateful she had time today to record. We're going to record two podcasts. So hello, Celie Colley. How are you? Denise, I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. I am let me tell you, after I got to know you a little bit and I went to your websites and, and we had some emails, I thought to myself, this is a podcast that is totally selfishly motivated for me and your <laughs> second one even more. So we'll get Wonderful. there if I tell people. But just so people know, and I want Celie to tell you more about her, but the idea, and she sent me a little agenda, which was... I've had seven careers and the life lessons that I moved, you know, learned from that. And when she sent me some of her life lessons, I thought these are so perfect because I think, silly to me, I've also had lots of careers, but I look back um, and I always see sometimes in the tumultuous times in my life or in the saddest times of my life, but when you get a little older and you recount those things, I think, but the lesson was, do you know what I mean? That's what, right. And that's why I loved what you wanted to talk about today. So we're talking about seven careers and the, and the life lessons you get from working that much. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. And, and also fulfilling yourself because you can tell just by reading what your careers have been, um, what you, you know that you were searching for things not only were you good at it but things that you wanted to do yes, yes absolutely it's huge so talk to us tell so i'm going to start with the very first one that you wrote here mm -hmm. that was after college you became a personal assistant for a wealthy unorganized woman yes actually i had a couple of um and this is when i lived so i uh, did my college degree. I got a BFA in set and costume design um, yeah. and moved to New York City as everybody does. And <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't live in Manhattan. I lived in Queens, but I had a couple of wealthy women um, who hired me to be their personal assistant, right? Um, and it was such a wonderful thing to learn right out of college because I very quickly the life lesson I realized is that money doesn't make you happy. And to learn that at the age of 22, 23, these are women whose husbands were partners at Goldman Sachs. They had multiple vacation homes and they still had the same problems everybody else did, right? They were unhappy, you know? And it was just one of those things that I, I, I'm ever so grateful for those women for letting me into their homes and their lives and behind the scenes, right? I saw behind the facade and to be able to realize that money doesn't make you happy was truly one of the best life lessons I've learned. Because it changed, it changed your path. Yes. It changes your path. I have to tell you, Celia, and I love it so much. So I had, I grew up in Marin County. I I had different careers. But when I decided to go to cooking school, right. okay, which of course was horrifying to my mother and my entire family. And it was and by the way it was financial ruin for a while. It doesn't right. matter. But my one of the first jobs I got out of school was I got hired by one of the richest 
man, men in Malibu. I'm talking $80 million a year rich. Do you know what I mean? Just right. I used to say he was filthy rich. And whenever I'd say that, friends of mine would say, do you have to clean him up before you get up before you beat him? But he really was. Now, the reason he, after I've been there a year, he's going to remarry. Oh. Okay. Now, he'd been married two or three times before, but this is a lovely, younger, vibrant woman who has a very small, successful business, but she is now dropped into this this mega money mm -hmm. but i and i just tell you this so she i was there during get for, as they were preparing for the wedding so now she's wearing an eight carat diamond ring i mean you know um her her little beat up toyota became a the top of the line mercedes benz i mean wow. i'm watching this happen she was lovely by the way but this was and then she had said to me one day she was always at now this was the part so here's listen she was always in the kitchen talking to me Mm. I mean, because I went every, I went five days a week. I was the right. private chef. I got there at noon. I, the rule was I would leave at six. I didn't. I didn't have to put the food away. I didn't serve, and the maids cleaned up behind me. So I was really cooking the food. She would show up at about four o'clock in the afternoon, and just, I mean, practically pull up a chair as mm. I was prepping. Now I thought to myself. This girl's got to have a bit more to do than sit here and talk to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh -huh. And I realized that she was just lost. It's, I don't know. It, it was, it, I think what was really happening was to your point, she'd realized that all this money wasn't making her happy. Right. <laughs> she was still yeah. having second thoughts and she was going to have to pretty much give up her business. Mm. And I mean, everything was changing in her life, but I, after about, Oh, I don't know. A month or two, I said to her, and I tried to say it in the most loving way. I said, you need a therapist to get you through this time. <laughs> <laughs> because most people would like to be sitting where you're sitting. And you obviously, if you're coming to me for advice, me with a right. dirty apron, and I'm slicing the zucchini, you got to figure this out, girl. So I agree with you. And though they're still married, I thrilled to report for them it's been 20 something years i think oh that's great years. yeah really nice that they that they've stayed married but i just remember thinking whenever i left there because mm. he was so rich and one of the reasons and not to put it on her he wasn't a happy person mm. you know? he just wasn't happy there was so much going on there right. so I saw her confusion, but I just remember thinking as I drove away in like my 12-year-old BMW, mm -hmm. where I probably just had enough gas to get home until my next payday. And and I had probably stolen two or three mangoes because I had a sick friend and he never checked the receipt. So I would buy extra for my friend Tommy, who was dying of, you know, dying at that time. So from where I sat, I just realized that money doesn't guarantee happiness. Yeah. Amen. That is that is such a great and your example is even more, you know, poignant. So so, yeah, so that was one of my best lessons learned really early on. So I was very I grateful for that. So then I went on to my second career. So I was a costume designer and I was very lucky pretty much right out of college. I worked for the Joffrey Ballet. I uh, worked with a choreographer who had a piece commissioned for the Juilliard School. Um, and she hired, she asked me to be the set and costume designer. 
And so, um, you know, which was thrilling. I went in to a planning meeting and I said, oh, in a very lofty, haughty way, I can only have custom dyed silk chiffon. And then I was waiting for the laugh, right? Because nobody yeah, could afford yeah. custom dyed silk And there was no laugh. And then I was like, oh, and I'm going to have to custom dye the chiffon myself to make sure. <laughs> so I got paid twice. I got paid to do the design and paid to do the dye work. Beautiful production. It, but I realized, so the it's opening night at the Juilliard School. The New York Times is there. Like it's a BFD. That's yeah. a big, I have to say, that's a big deal. It's a big deal, right? And so the curtains open. And instead of feeling this rush of pride in the work, my creative talents on stage, all I could think was, oh my gosh, when is this going to be over? I want a cocktail. I'm tired. Literally in that moment, Denise, I had an epiphany. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not making a lot of money. My In costume design in the mid 80s, the only people who were successful were single women whose best friends were their cats or gay men. And I knew that I wanted to have a husband and maybe a child at some point and that I wasn't ready to sacrifice all of that for the, you know, for my art. And so in that moment, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. So the lesson I learned is just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should do it. I love that. Yeah. And it was big. And that choreographer actually got a commission at Seattle Ballet. And she was so excited. She's like, oh, we're going to Seattle. I'm like, you're going to Seattle. And such a fabulous point. And, you know, Celie, I just had this conversation. And just when you say that, I so I got out of cooking school and now I'm working and now I'm making some money and I my career is going well. But I just had a dear friend lunch with a dear friend from high school. And we've stayed friends. And she said to me, oh, yeah, I remember that time. You were kind of, you were looking for a husband. And she said it to me because I'd been, from my first husband, I'd been divorced for almost 14 years. Mm -hmm. And as we were sitting there, I thought to myself, yeah, she's absolutely right. Because like what you just said, Celian, this is all about choices. And yeah. I did want, I wanted a home. Yeah. And I wanted a husband and yeah. she's not married, never married. And she really said to me, well, I have a home. I said, but I didn't see it like that. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. From where I was from and my mother and my parents, very successful marriage. I saw a husband in my right. future. Right. So I, you know, and um, we've been married for 30 years. So I, I see your point. You, boy, that must've kind of almost knocked you down after having completed all that work for a moment and then realizing <laughs> exactly it was um yeah it was a little it was interesting it was an interesting trans time of transition so at the same time I was also working off Broadway on Driving Miss Daisy I was actually Morgan Freeman's mistress now I was his wardrobe mistress I don't know what you were thinking I saw him in his underwear eight times a week and he, he was delightful. It was a wonderful production off Broadway. And that was a great um, example of, you know, backstage. Everything has to happen precisely right. Um, the props, the clothing changes, everything. And that was when I really realized that the more routine I could place in my life, 
the better my life lived, right? Um, you know, even though I was working, uh, you know, Tuesday through Sunday, it, I still, it, if I could get up at the same time, try to get to bed at the same time, it just made a difference. And, and you know, it's, I feel like all of the lessons really lead to where, you know, it all makes sense when you're of a certain age and you can look backward and understand yeah. it. it. You're absolutely right. I am a very routine person, silly. So when I re read what you'd written, I, I totally agree. And it's also because I've always had, I've always been ADD, ADHD, they call mm -hmm. it now. Right. Always. I mean, from early in my life. Mm -hmm. So see, for me, routine is the only way I can function. Right. And to the point where I go to the same, my chiropractor every Monday at 9.15. And when he says, well, I'm not going to be here on Monday, we'll see you on Tuesday. I'm kind of a flutter for right. half an hour because, hmm. Because I like routine too, and I agree with you. And the mo and if you look at really successful people in the world, they are the type that talk about their routines. Yes, absolutely. It's it's really one of the simplest ways of succeeding, but it takes some self discipline, right? Yeah. But but if you can fall into a good routine and enjoy it, right? We have to have fun doing it then um, yeah, it's, so that was a really good lesson to learn early on. And all of these lessons I learned by the age of 25. I mean, you know, I was very lucky from that point of view. Um, I was lucky when, uh, so then I decided to give up costume design um, and I, I worked in retail. My husband uh, and I, I moved to Boston and I got a job at Chanel. And then I've also worked at the Chanel boutique in Manhattan and he, went on to get his master's and PhD at Cambridge University. So we actually lived in England for most of the 90s. And so I worked in high-end retail and it was just uh, amazing. So the, and I know you travel extensively um, and, you, and you probably have experienced this, um, you know, in shops in London, customer service, at least in the 90s, was nearly non-existent. But I came from a Chanel boutique perspective. So I was giving top quality, you know, service. And I remember, a, you know, as someone came in and said, Oh, do you have this skirt in a size six? And I said, Oh, let me just run down to my stock room. Oh, no, 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 don't bother. And I'm thinking, no, it's my job. I should, you know, I should know if I have that in a size six. And so what I did was I created a really simple spreadsheet. Um, to track inventory of our different lines of clothing because our, the store that I worked at, my stock room was quite a distance away. And um, and I shared it with my other managers. And it was this was not a crazy thing. Like I, you know, I'd have to, this was before spreadsheets on Excel, or at least I knew about them. So I was Xeroxing it and mailing it to my colleagues. And I was actually honored with like a, a gold <laughs> award for a simple spreadsheet. And so that's when I also realized that simple systems make a difference, right? The Absolutely. effort to maintain that inventory sheet was so much easier than running back and forth to my stock room. And it made me a better salesperson and my, you know, my branch won awards and I won more money. Like there was a real reward 
for that, for, you know, realizing that simple system. So I'm sure you have examples of systems in your life as well. And you know what? The, again, Celie, they were just for me. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, really, I got to this kitchen that I then I became the executive chef. And it was my mm. first really big job. And I think mm. I... All of a sudden, I had a gas allowance and a salary, and they were paying for my medical benefits. Do you know um, what I mean? This was, yeah. and I was a woman, and it was I a did. very prestigious catering company. So I was, but I'll never forget. And I think that's it's so simple. The general manager came in with an invoice, so I would know who the vendors were because something had been checked in in the food. You know, it was about a three million dollar commissary, so we were doing some business. Yeah, but asked me this invoice and I noticed on the left-hand side of the desk, I'd just been promoted. There was just this big old basket of crap there. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it was uh -huh. just, and I said, well, I wonder where his name, the previous chef had been named Peter. I wonder how Peter's filing system. And I'll never forget that GM said, oh, there's no filing system. Right. And I thought, okay, well that's, so I took the big old, basket of junk home and of course I bought some folders and just printed right. on the vendor's name yeah. and I came back with that I probably put it in a milk crate because that's how we did everything <laughs> yep. in those days and I'll never forget the absolute because it was right before we would turn to a computer program they were right. finally coming up because if you, I know you know this Celie if some some of our younger listeners Computer program for a catering company or something like that was thousands oh, of dollars. Absolutely. I mean, it was enough that we had one or two computers for the bookkeeper, but they weren't going to, they couldn't no. afford to buy this program. Of course not. So I came in with my little milk crate full of vendor folders, and I'll never forget, they all like went, oh, God. And the, they were so impressed, and I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> That's fantastic. Because it was exactly what you're saying. I was just trying to make some sort of system in all yeah. the chaos of ordering. Yeah. That's Absolutely. all I was trying. Yeah, but what a difference it made. That small effort paid off big time, right? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, so let's see. So I've had, I'm up to, I think, five careers now. Then we... <laughs> <laughs> we uh, moved back to America in the year 2000, my husband, myself, and our two-year-old daughter. Um, and I went from, you know, when we lived in England, he was a fellow. We didn't even get to choose where we lived. They were like, here's your apartment. Sure. Great. You know, that was how we lived. We moved back to America. And in a short time, I became a homeowner. And I realized that I I had no idea. And this was the early 2000s. Still, we didn't have, uh, I think we might have bought a desktop computer in 2002. Um, so I had, I was inundated with paper. And so I needed to come up with a system, simple system to keep track of this, right? Lawn service, taxes, you know, met, you know, we lived in England, we were on national health. All of a sudden I had doctors for me, for him, for our daughter. It was a lot to keep track of. And so that's, um, when I set up my paper system, but then I also realized when my daughter went to kindergarten, I was like, well, what do I want to be when I grow up, right? I had this opportunity and that's when I looked back at all of the things I'd been successful at 
and I realized that there was a, a line through them and it was that I was organized and that I could get things done on time and on budget. I set up a system. I had my routines and not only was I organized, but I could teach it to other people. So, so that was when I decided to become an organizer. And so it's really interesting because I'd go, my husband's a lawyer. We'd go to these meetings, dinners, and I'd say, oh, I'm an organizer. And they're like, oh, for which labor union? I'm like, uh, no, no, like in your closet and pantry, right? It was early on. They just started talk, having the hoarding shows and all of that. So I was so lucky to get into that career where I could be a stay-at-home mom, quote unquote. You know, yeah. I was there when my daughter went to school. I was there when she got home from school. But in between, I was building a business. And that was 20 years ago. In 2003, I set up, I decided to become a professional organizer. And um, I was certified in 2007. So there are actually fewer than 400 certified professional organizers worldwide. So that's something I'm quite proud of. I keep up with my continuing education credits. Um, and it's been so satisfying to help people get big transformations. Have you ever used an organizer? I have to tell you, this is silly, so funny. Before I'm retired now from yeah. food, I still do other things and some a little consulting and writing, but I'm I basically, because when we moved here, uh, where Cindy and I had worked for 20 years, I had a small studio behind my house. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we tested recipes there. We had photo shoots there. I mean, everything. Well, when my husband wanted to retire and then he said, you can retire too, to which I could, I took total offense. I thought, how dare you say that to me? And then I realized he was right. Okay. Right. It was time to, for me to retire also. Well, I had in the 400 square foot little studio, a loft. Celie, it would have given you the heebie-jeebies <laughs> to walk up the stairs. It was bulging. Okay. Mm. Now, paper, past books we'd written. Now, Cindy, who was way above me digitally, always has been, still is, mm. would say things like, we don't need that anymore. And I say, no, don't, don't throw that away. So Cindy would <laughs> ask me. You should have seen the stuff we threw out. Mm -hmm. Now, at the very end of my career, a lovely young woman named Jenny came to work for us. And she had worked for several organizers in L.A. Great. So she would say on Thursday, because we didn't have a job that day, mm -hmm. she'd come in. She had coffees. She had a little treats for Cindy and I. And then she'd say, I'm going up into the loft. And we would both go, I think, oh, man, do I have enough insurance for that? And she would, <laughs> she had stopped at like one of the container places and she'd say, oh, you need these couple of little containers. I said, mm -hmm. fine. When I would go up there three or four hours later, Celie, I couldn't even believe it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So she had the vision. You have yep. the vision. Yeah. I have, I'm good at routine and I write myself I did it this morning I write myself a post-it and put it in my pocket of the five or six things that I must accomplish love that but but I I don't always have the vision when I where there can be piles of cookbooks and stuff around me and I just kind of dance over them well I think um I think this is the other thing that I do think that there is an innate ability some people that have just as my husband can speak languages I can barely speak English you know <laughs> it's it's one of these things I do think that I have a spatial awareness 
And I think you have a flavor awareness, right? Yeah, no, I no. There are certain things that I have a color awareness. I'm excellent mm. at color. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've have been. So that's but no, you're right. It uh, sometimes when I come up into my office now, this is my retirement office, but I, I'm in here a lot. I love it. My computer's in here. I do some writing. I talk to Cindy, Cindy and I Zoom, we do the podcast, but sometimes I look at it and I think, oh, that whole stack that's sitting there just needs to go away. Right. And then I sit down and do it. But right. I can't tell you, Celia, and we're going to talk about this in your next podcast. And I want people to know, Celia, we're not done, but Celia mm. is going talk about her organizing system called the paper cleanse which yeah. I think is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard and and this story I'll probably repeat it but it bears repeating Cindy we come back from a job Seely okay now the mm -hmm. job is done I've mm -hmm. built them but I want the paperwork until I build them and get paid because people's names are on call sheets and sure. there may be a de deal memo all of that when that was over and I'm paid did I shred those things no <laughs> right no and Cindy sometimes would pass me the papers and she'd worked all day they had food on them Celie they were dirty they were nasty were so <laughs> they smelled and they had coffee stains and I would still not let go of the papers right right so well, I just so you know it's yeah it's, the reason you're successful is there there are people we we can't let go of certain mm. things yeah i'm not a hoarder i've got no i had a garage sale and an estate sale and i mm. gave stuff away and i donated sure. stuff but i have issues sometimes i well and i think you are not unique in that way so you know and and your parents didn't weren't able to teach you how to organize the paper because no, they no. didn't have that much paper right it was it's just right. a you know we've really got come into a different phase so yeah i think give yourself grace denise don't worry okay. you are you are with the majority of people in the world i know i am because when i and i have dear friends and they've been guests on this podcast that say say it over and over again and they don't even know they're saying it like they'll text me and they'll go oh i i i want to come on the podcast next week but this week i'm cleaning out my office and i saw <laughs> you've been saying that for two years but we're all you know thank you for what you yes it, it's not Things and some things do not just don't come naturally, like throwing out or putting it in. I, I, the biggest thing I've done here in this house, we've been here now three and a half years. Mm. I have two big boxes in my garage next to the garage door. One says Goodwill, one says um, uh, Habitat for Humanity. Beautiful. And everything when it's something good i put it in habitat for humanity because they sell stuff or they give it to people that yeah. need it. goodwill will repair some of the stuff mm -hmm. but i i mean i used to be the person that kept the tupperware that the lid had been missing mm -hmm. for years mm -hmm. <laughs> but i couldn't let go of that, that little cheap plastic bowl so well, i have gotten better i love that so i call that creating a donation station and when you when you do that then you pick, you know, I'm just did this recently, changed over my clothing. I'm like, you know, that shirt always had that tag that was itchy to me. Like, yeah. you know, it's perfectly good for somebody else, but not for me anymore. Straight into the donation bag. And so I think that's brilliant that you've done that. That's a great coping mechanism. Well, I had to because Cindy knows that the language that I used when I was cleaning out that loft 
would have frightened someone in a Brian De Palma movie. Right. <laughs> it wasn't good. I yeah. kept thinking, why do I have so much stuff? So I, no, no, I learned. I learned right. and I've done right. better. And you, I love that. What I also think happens from women of a certain age, because you realize you only have so much time left. You don't want to be tripping over stuff that's no longer necessary. No, that is so valid. I absolutely agree with that. So that it's, it's, it's actually easy because um, then we're going to skip through. So I, um, so I was, I've been an organizer yeah. for 20 years. I actually um, in 2017 wanted to import a very unique hanger from Europe to America and I actually won a uh, HSN American Dreams competition. I went to a symposium. Damon John was speaking. It was a really big deal. I pitched my hangers. I won a pitch competition. I was ready. And what was great about it was that, so I was thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to transition out of this organizing thing and import these hangers full time. Yeah. Then pandemic happened. Oh, what did everybody do? Everybody cleared out their closets and I was selling these hangers online I, I had my basement full of them every day I'd get orders we'd package them up we'd take them to the UPS store we'd actually have to throw them into the UPS store because you couldn't walk into the UPS store oh, and I was just thinking oh this is perfect I'm ready so I called my European co uh, contact Carl and I said Carl I'm ready these I had never had one hanger Re refunded people would just buy more and more they love them and I was like I'm ready to invest I want to get a container container full I'm gonna yeah. you know this is the time people want them it's great he's like let me get back to you two days later he called me he said your factory's shut down I'm like well just for COVID no he said they're gone so I'm like my factory shut down oh my gosh can I buy the mold he said no the mold is not for sale so at the time I had a mentor through SCORE, a free mentor, and we used to meet in person, but we were meeting online on Zoom during pandemic. And I said to him, you know, I, I'm, I was ready to make this big investment, but my factory shut down, it's pandemic, I can't buy the mold. And I tried to trademark the name and I couldn't do that. And he said to me, he's like, wait, you're telling me, he said, if it, you just had one of those problems, that would be something you could overcome. He said, but when I hear you say those four things, as your mentor, I have to tell you. And I finished his sentence. I was like, I have to shut down that business. He's like, yeah, I think you do. And it was a real, I'm so glad. So that was the lesson I learned, Denise, is find a mentor. Find yeah. somebody who's been there and done that. And that's what I'm trying to do now is mentor younger organizers so that they can be business people, right? It doesn't matter whether you're a baker, a candlestick maker, you're a business person first, right? We're doing this for money. So I'm trying to give back for mentoring, but I'm going to encourage people if they haven't done so already, if they can't find a mentor, if they're a woman of a certain age, maybe they need to be a mentor and share what they've learned. So that was a huge lesson learned. That's, I have to tell you, brilliant. And I just want to say one thing, brilliant. And boy, I, I can, I can see you now that I know you a little bit, I can see how you are moving full of it. Score. If people don't know about score, yeah. 
you tell them because I, I just want to say when I started my very first catering business after I quit the big mm-hmm. again financial ruin after yeah. I quit, there was a lot of financial ruin in the beginning mm-hmm. of my life after I quit a really prestigious high paying full <laughs> benefits job to open my own catering business I went to SCORE yes. and it's SCORE stands, I'm not even sure, it stands for Senior senior Consultant Something Retired Executives. Something we, like it, that. Yeah. yeah. People, if you look under under the smallbusinessadministration.gov yes. website, there will be SCORE, the information to SCORE. I found score by going in. I think it was in those days. This is so long ago, 1987, 88. Mm-hmm. There was a flyer about score on a post office bulletin board saying Amen. there's hired executives that will help you start your business. And we went for months. My partner and I went for months. Yeah. He was the loveliest man. His name was Herb. He yeah. had on a suit and a tie. The desk was empty because there was nothing going on. We sat around. He had a phone. I used to say to my partner, Marianne, I think the phone is even fake. I don't think it goes in here. (laughs) Herb had a pencil and a pen and a pad. Right. And he would, and we brought him brownies and cookies every week. But he, and he knew nothing about catering, but he taught us about profit and loss statements Mm -hmm. and things that most people that are in food or sometimes creatives don't think about. They just don't think of the business of it that, you know, so I score for, and also I'm a firm believer in this. And I think it's, I don't want to say this because I think, yes, I'm not going to say it because it's one of your next lessons. (laughs) If people are listening and they, think, oh, I'm too old to start a business. I'm not sure that's true. No, I can't agree with you more, Denise. And that really does lead me to my final lesson, which is you are never too old to reinvent yourself. So here I was post-pandemic. We weren't allowed to go into people's homes legally, right? My hanger business that I thought was going to be my salvation. and, And I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, what am I going to do? I have so much knowledge to share. And then I realized I can reinvent myself. I can teach people worldwide. Why should I limit myself to the people I can drive to or fly to? And so that's just one of the things that really has reinvigorated my life. I'm getting so much joy and satisfaction out of my students. I've literally had hundreds of students now in five continents I mean, it is just so exciting. And so, so please, for your listeners who are beyond a certain age, you, there is nothing stopping you from doing anything you want. Now I am semi, this is my semi-retired lifestyle. We like you, we just traveled three weeks to Europe. I want to have the freedom to do that. I can do that with this online business. Yes, I had to get up at 1 a.m. in Berlin to do a Q&A for my students, but they were so delighted. They showed up and I, I live to tell the tale. But it's it's wonderful when you realize that age does not restrict you from anything. It doesn't. And I think the most important thing, and this is hard. This is mm. hard I th- and very hard sometimes for women. Be, and especially if you say you're retired, people just their eyes glaze over and they move mm. to the next person at the table. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think that 
truer words that are unspoken. Online today, if you, I always say this about businesses, if you see a niche and it's something that you have the wisdom, the experience and the knowledge about, then you're, how awful not to share that with people. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. How awful not to share that with people. I mean, there's a certain amount of, you know, uh, Cindy and I have a little Facebook group. And, but I think there's like six, seven, 8,000 members now from, from the book that right. we wrote, the Food Stylist Handbook. Yeah. Now, it's not really active all the time, but what the, we set it up and the whole premise was if people that are food stylists have mm -hmm. a difficult question with right. a shoot coming up, they should contact and we'll workshop it. Yes. And put it out there and you should see the answers. I mean, great answers. There'll be... 10 or 12 experienced stylists that say, I do it this way. This is the knife I use. I put it in the freezer first. I get it from this bakery. Don't use that. That makes it, you know, everybody. So when you piecemeal together about 10 experienced people's yes. information on a hamburger bun, trust me, you're the master. <laughs> oh my gosh, Denise, that's such a great example. And this is what I say. I say always together, we are better, right? Um, I have a Facebook group as well. It's called Organizing Solutions for Busy Women. And it's lovely. And what's so exciting is that, you know, somebody will put something in. And before I get a chance to reply, four or five other people from the group will say, well, this is what I did. This is what I tried. Here's a product that might work. And I love that kind of hive mind. Um, you know, I just think that's fantastic. I, I'm not a food stylist, but I'm going to have to check out your group just to see what what's going on. It's it's really wonderful to see people helping. Excuse me, to help each other. I yeah. also think, and when you were just saying is organizing, I think it's baby steps to me. Yes. And again, yeah. this from watching people and your your comment about routine. When people would say, oh, you're at food styling, when Cindy and I, we've worked together for 20 years and every shoot was bigger than the next. Well, of course we knew what we were doing. It's routine. And if you're smart, you, you tuck away all the mistakes you make. I always say yeah. to people, sometimes you need to write it down. You need to write down the mistake so that you mm -hmm. will not do it again. But you know, Celia, again, in Baby Steps, I need you to know, I've probably had the world's most expensive organizers, always. I've had the Louis Vuitton Vuitton <laughs> covers. I've had the world's most expensive organizers. And you know what? I finally realized five, five things I have to complete on a post-it in my pocket is the best one I have all day. So I love it. Because I used to make those herculean list yeah. for myself. And of course, at the end of the day, was totally disappointed that I, I in fact, had not painted my house. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I love you've really separated it into just what you must do and just prioritizing that in your mind, the physicality of writing it down. I do believe there's something very powerful about using your hand paper to pen, pen to paper versus typing it or having it digitally. There's there's studies that that is more powerful in imprinting it in your mind. So I think you're doing it exactly right, Denise. Well, I'm 72, Celia. I had to learn it sooner or later, didn't I? Absolutely. Now, for our audience, as always, when Cindy, when we broadcast Celie's podcast, all her information will be there. 
We are also going to record a second podcast, and I, I say it again, and this one is going to be about Seeley's course called The Paper Cleanse. And you know what I loved about when you, Seeley and I texted and emailed each other over the weekend, setting this up for today, and when you said to me, and it doesn't involve a lot of digital scanning because that's not the age group of the women who come to me and see this is something and see I mean I see it every single day okay every day in my life Cindy was younger than me and also learned computers she'd been a graphic designer so Mm -hmm. Cindy had so much more knowledge than I going into it um and so Cindy did all the technical stuff, all the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. So when all of a sudden I retired and here I was in my office, Kenny, my husband's saying, well, did you take care of that? I'd say, no, no, that's usually a form Cindy would take care of. Or I'd say, no, 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 no that's not going to happen today. So, but by you saying that, and I have learned to actually have a scan. I made myself only because my husband bought like a $40,000 printer that has a scan button. But, <laughs> It's not easy. And that's another yeah. point. As we age, people, you um, do you do you have the interest in learning things? You want to make changes, but sometimes when it's it's tech and stuff, people are just afraid. So for yeah. you, when you said that, that it doesn't involve that, I know that you're the principles of the paper cleanse are helping to organize without depending on a lot of technical skills. Exactly. That's exactly right, Denise. Because I, I think you've said this, and I call myself a digital dinosaur. Oh, I just, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> I always love it when people, I say to my husband sometimes, he goes, why did you print that out? I said, because I have to fill it out with a pen and paper first, and then I'll do it on the computer. Yeah. So yes, some things take me twice as long. But yeah. you know what? That's, but at least I do it correctly. Exactly. And, you get it done. And I'm not frustrating myself. I can't tell you the time. And Cindy would be so patient with me. <laughs> so patient with me. And then once in a while, we hired someone who had had a, as she used to say about herself, that they put a, you know, a laptop in her, in her crib when she was three. And you know, when we looked <laughs> dinosaurs, we looked worse than, di- what's older than a dinosaur? <laughs> we finally, we've, we've tried to keep up. It's not easy. No, it's really, really not. So I can't thank you enough for letting me share these life lessons with your listeners. What a delight it has been. And I think that when you look back, we've probably all had these life lessons or hopefully uh, have learned them um, when we are beyond a certain age. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to recording a second podcast with you. People that listen to us, thank you. My God, we've had so many comments lately. So many incredible people texting saying, oh, Denise, I love the last couple of podcasts. Of course, I can't remember what the last couple of podcasts are. So I have to go to my Facebook page and read them <laughs> but or listen to them myself. I want to thank people. If you have anything you want to tell us, it's womanbeyond at iCloud.com. Um, Cindy handles all the complaints, just like all the forms. And But I thank everyone that listens, and I hope that there's some value to it because it's really fun. And like Celie today, I got so much value over the weekend of reading your life lessons because sometimes in our very confusing lives we haven't even been able to recognize our own growth that's Mm. what i yeah so thank you 
Thank you, everyone that listens. Thank you, Miss Cindy, who keeps the, the train on the track. And uh, we'll see you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.